Acts chapter 10 tonight. I shared with you last week that if I was to title Acts chapter 10, it would be the point of no return because the church is getting ready to take the gospel to Gentiles. And I think all of us in this room would probably say hallelujah for that. Because without the gospel going to the Gentiles, you and I would not know the Lord. But this was a big step, and this is a major chapter, not only in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 10 is a, is a major chapter in the entire Bible because of what is about to happen. That now the gospel is going to the Gentiles, and God's kingdom is now taking new territory on earth. And I want us to think about that tonight, and we're going to see the dynamic of how God worked this out <clears throat> by using just two individuals. Um, but I want us to think about the fact that God is always wanting to build his church and, and wanting to gain new ground and take new territory. And so even as a church, we ask ourselves, God, what is that next step? What, what new territory do you want us to gain for you here and then each of us as individuals needs to ask that question too. Wherever I am spiritually, however much ground I have gained throughout my life walking with Christ, God doesn't want me to stop here. God wants me to keep moving. So what does that next step look like even for us as individuals in gaining new territory and new ground for God, if you will? I, I want us to be thinking about that as sort of a, a, a backdrop to Acts chapter 10. Now again, before we get into it tonight, there's obviously God can work in big groups and, and can work with groups of people and move in there, but God also many times as we're going to see tonight just works with one individual and another individual and builds his kingdom one soul, one heart at a time. And I want us to be encouraged by that, that you know you and I can be in the midst of a of a huge crowd and God can be working on hearts there and, and that group dynamic can be taking place, but God can just as easily work on one heart and another heart at a time and can use one to, if we, as we say, reach one. And we're going to see that God is going to do that tonight and that God wants to invite one of his closest followers, one of the most well-known followers, Peter, because even Peter needs to continue to grow and learn himself. And it is a great reminder to us that in the backdrop also of Acts chapter 10 is to me this huge encouragement for all of us to remain teachable throughout our life. To never get to a place where we feel like we've arrived and we've stopped learning and we've stopped growing because even Peter, the leader of the disciples, one who had walked with Jesus on the earth, uh, one who was instrumental in the early church up to this point, still had a lot of growing and a lot of learning to do. God still had to teach him some things. And so you'll note something then here. God not only is working on reaching a man, Cornelius, and actually bringing him to Jesus, but he's also working on the one who's going to take Jesus to him. Which then reminds all of us that when God calls us to serve him, 
it is a great opportunity for us to grow and learn more. That, that, that's what God sees service doing, that I'm not just serving others to serve them. That's one aspect of it. But as I serve, I grow too. Because Peter needed to sort of step out of his comfort zone and branch out and, and, and grow. And he did that through being available to God in serving him, that when God reached out to him in a vision, Peter made himself available, just as we're going to see Cornelius also was open to the moving of the Lord in his life. So really this chapter is all about God at the top, and God moving and God working in his people, but using primarily just two people at this point. He's going to reach into Cornelius' life, and he's going to use the apostle Peter to do it. But first, at the beginning of the chapter, we start with Cornelius. So notice, it says in Acts 10.1, there was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius. I don't want us to bypass that, because that again reminds us Yes, God cares about the masses, but God also cares about each of us as individuals, you see. And that God's not too big or too busy to see that here's a man named Cornelius who's, who was trying to move towards him, towards God. And that as we're going to see, even though he was a very religious man, he lacked the most important thing in his life. And that was Jesus. And so God was going to make sure that the message about Jesus got to him, just one individual. So this whole chapter also just reminds us of the value of individuals to the Lord. It reminds us about each of us, that we each as an individual are valuable to the Lord. If God himself saw Cornelius, one man, you know, then he can see each of us and where we are with him. Now, it says he was a centurion, well-known of the Italian cohort, and then it describes his, what I call, religiosity. He was devout, he was a God-fearing man, as was all his household, and he did many acts of charity for the people and even prayed to God regularly. Let's see. Religious, God-fearing, dedicated. But again, all of that would mean nothing if he hadn't met Jesus Christ. So God was going to make sure that this man who had a heart for God got a chance to be introduced to Jesus Christ. Christ. Again, I think Acts chapter 10 is one of those great um, proofs in the Bible that if, if someone truly wants to know God or know more about God, God will make sure that the message gets to them. Because, you know, one of the questions is always, well, what if, what if a person really wants to know God, but there's nobody there to tell them about Jesus? I'm telling you, the message of the Bible is God sees into the heart. And if God sees that someone is open and wanting to move towards him, God will make sure that they get all the light that they need to continue to bring them on that journey up to that point where they can place their faith in Jesus. 
That certainly happened with Cornelius, and that would happen with anyone even to this day. So then the Bible says in verse 3, about 3 o'clock one afternoon, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God who came in and said to him, Cornelius, notice, the angel and God knows him by name. He's not a child of God yet, but he's known to God. And God was going to give him a vision because God wants to bring more light into Cornelius' life. I love those words he saw clearly. God wants to bring clarity into our lives. And, and this whole study of the book of Acts is about God's vision for his people. Well, one of the things that God has a vision for his people is to understand that he cares about individuals just as he cares about big groups of people, and that he wants to bring clarity, and he wants to bring light, and he wants to bring revelation and understanding and comprehension into our lives. And if we are teachable and we're open to it, it will flood in and give us a greater understanding, just as Cornelius was about to experience. So verse 4 says, staring at him and becoming greatly afraid, Cornelius replied, because I'm sure Cornelius had never had an encounter with an angel up to this point, what is it, Lord? And the angel said to him, your prayers and your acts of charity have gone up as a memorial before God. In other words, God is very mindful about your religiosity. He sees all the activity that you are doing. And he understands that, you know, truly, you, you have a heart to, to follow God. But again, he's missing the most important part, and that is it would, all of that religiosity would mean nothing if this man doesn't come to know Jesus Christ as his Savior, you see. That's what's lacking here, and, and that's why, again, this is, this is a great chapter to point somebody to when they say, well, you know, I pray to God, and I do all these good deeds, and, you know, I go to church regularly, and I I'm a God-fearing person. You know, I believe in God and all that. Well, what about Jesus? Do you have Jesus Christ? Because that's the one thing, the main thing that Cornelius was lacking was a relationship with Jesus Christ. He needed to know Jesus, even though he was a good man, a religious man. And yet God took note of all of Cornelius' activity. Now think about it. God not only takes note of all of his children's activities, God takes note of even all those who don't know him yet and their activity. Because God is mon monitoring that as far as then how he's going to deal with them of does he bring someone else into their life or bring more light in? Do they have a heart that is open to continue to move towards God? And this is something that God wants his people, his church, to understand. That God is always working behind the scenes and, and doing things that sometimes maybe we don't even know and why we need to keep praying for unsaved people and, and taking opportunities to share Christ if, if we're given it. With, because we never know as we plant seeds and others plant seeds how it could bring somebody to that place where they finally accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. God wants us to be witnesses. So the angel clearly tells Cornelius, here's what you need to do. And notice this is a process. This is a step-by-step -step process because God wants to see 
just as he's going to with his, his child, Peter, on the other side of this, is he going to be obedient to me as I lay out these instructions? One step at a time, you see. Now, could God have sent the angel to share the gospel with Cornelius? Well, yeah, probably. But let's understand, too, that angels have never been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. They, they know nothing of the grace of God. God wants somebody like you and I or like Peter who has experienced God's grace and who's been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ to be his witness. He uses the angels to be his messengers and to deliver messages from him, but to share salvation with them, that's why it's so powerful in our life when we know that we're talking to somebody that either they can relate to our circumstances or they know we can relate to theirs. There's a bond there because we get each other. And God wants those who have experienced his forgiveness firsthand to be those that go and share with others the power of God in their life and how God can change and transform a life through faith in Jesus Christ. So the angel says, send men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon who is called Peter. You see, God specifically not only was reaching into Cornelius' life and going to bring him to faith, but God had in mind the exact servant that he wanted to use to bring the gospel to Cornelius. Now think about that for a moment, because again, the book of Acts is about Christ's vision for his church. God doesn't do anything haphazardly. He doesn't do anything without a purpose behind it. So when God comes to us as individuals and, and through the Holy Spirit leads and guides us to enter into him with something, there's a good reason for that. And, and it's not only maybe that God wants to use you or me to reach somebody, whether it's a non-Christian to share Jesus or maybe even a Christian to encourage, to support, to strengthen, to come alongside but don't miss this, just as he did with Peter, God wants to use the experience of that service, the experience of making myself available and saying, oh God, okay God, I'm here, what do you want me to do? And entering into it, that God can grow us as well. Again, every time you and I say yes to God, every time we are willing to serve, that can be a growing opportunity for us. That's what we've got to remember. That, that's why I encourage and we should all encourage other Christians to serve. Serving is training. Serving is growing. Serving is God able to use whatever service he's asking us to do to, to take more ground in our own lives for him. Not just to reach somebody else and help somebody else, but in a sense, it's also beneficial and profitable to us too, just as it was going to be to Peter. <clears throat> Peter was going to come to a greater understanding of God through him being willing to be the other side of the equation here. And again, before we now get into this any further, let's remember something that the Bible always teaches us, and that when, when God is involved with something, he works on both ends. He always works on both ends to bring those two ends, if you will, together. So 
God didn't just send an angel to Cornelius and then expect Peter to somehow figure it out for himself. No, God was going to start working on Peter too to bring both of them together. That, that's how you know that God is in something. Whenever God wants you and me to maybe cooperate and, and, and coordinate with somebody else and, and, and collaborate with somebody else, because if that's truly of God, both of us will feel that same leading and that same moving and that we'll be going in the same direction when we're open to what God wants to do. So the angel gives him specific instructions. This man, verse 6, is staying as a guest with a man named Simon a Tanner whose house is by the sea. And when the angel had spoken to him and departed, Cornelius called two of his servants, a devout soldier from among those who served him. And when he explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now I have to say, can you imagine? You have to understand in Cornelius's place that you trust these people and that, that you feel that they truly trust you and respect you. Because can you imagine the story that Cornelius had? I mean, if, if these servants of his would have not respected him and who this man was and his character, and he starts saying, hey, by the way, uh, God sent this angel down to me and starts telling me to, you know, go to this guy's house named Simon the Tanner and that there's going to be a guy named Peter there and, and that's what I need to do, so I'm sending you as my representatives. I mean, sure you saw an angel, Cornelius, right, you know. But they don't do that. They don't question Cornelius at all. So about noon the next day, while they were on their way approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. And guess what? He became hungry. Did you ever note that when you and I try to pray, we're always distracted by something, even hunger? It's like prayer is a, is a battleground, if you will. Satan doesn't want us to pray. He sees the value of it. Our flesh doesn't want to pray because that shows our dependence and reliance and lack of self-sufficiency on our part. And, you know, so, so prayer can be this battle. And, it, you know, sometimes we enter into prayer and all of a sudden our mind goes all these places and sometimes we're praying and we're hungry and there's all kinds of different things that can distract it. And that's why we've got to build a discipline of prayer in our life. That, that even when we start to pray and our mind may start to wander and things start to happen around us, that we stick to it and that we continue to press into God because prayer will be a battlefield many times for us. And the Bible says he wanted to eat, but while they were preparing the meal, and I'm sure he even smelled the food that was being prepared, a trance came over him. God was going to grab Peter's attention. And he saw heaven open and an object, something like a large sheet descending, being let down to earth by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals, reptiles of the earth, wild birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, slaughter and eat. But Peter said, certainly not, Lord, for I've never eaten anything defiled or ritually unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time, what God has made clean you must not consider ritually unclean. God is saying, <clears throat> Peter, you need to keep growing and you need to learn that if I say something's okay, it's okay. That, that you need to align your 
understanding of things and your heart and your mind with me. And all of us need to do that. We, we all need to align our perspective and how we look at things and how we look at others and how we look at situations with how God looks at it. And that's what he was getting Peter to do through this act of calling him to serve by going to Cornelius to share the gospel about Jesus Christ with this man so that he could become a Christian, not just a religious man, but a follower of Jesus Christ. Verse 16, this happened three times. God wanted to emphasize this because he knew this was hard for Peter. This was hard for any Jew who had created things that were not clean. And when God was saying, no, no, that is clean. And you need to be okay with it because I, God, am okay with it. Many times in my Christian life, certainly it can go the other way where Christians can, can take license and can allow things into their life that God clearly in his word says should not be a part of our life and we allow that in. That's one extreme. But the other extreme that I've seen many times is that there are things that we hold to very, again, religiously, if you will. Uh, we hold dogmatically and yet God doesn't see that as an issue, and yet we make it an issue. We, we make a deal about it, even though God says it's okay, you see. And that's where Peter was. And notice something I think encouraging for all of us. Even though Peter was given this clear vision, he still didn't understand the meaning of it right away. And that's important. Maybe God comes into our life sometimes, and I know he does in mine, and, and the Spirit may be speaking to me, but I don't quite understand all of it yet, or I'm not quite getting it yet, and it takes time. Because notice it says, Peter was still puzzling over what the vision he had seen could signify. If Peter was doing that, that means sometimes you and I, maybe, maybe it's a dream, maybe it's a vision, maybe it's, 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 again, it's the Holy Spirit working, but we're not always going to totally understand what God is trying to get us to see right away. It, it sometimes takes time, as it did with Peter. Don't be discouraged by that. Just keep searching and asking God to give you greater and greater clarity. It says they called out, verse 18, to ask if Simon, known as Peter, was staying there as a guest after they had arrived at Simon's house by the sea. The Bible says while Peter was still thinking seriously about the vision, he couldn't let this go. Have you ever been there where God was moving, God was working, God was, you know, trying to, to deal with you about something, and you just, you just kept pondering it, you just kept rolling it over in your mind, you just, you know, that's okay. Again, there, there's times where it takes time to, to get to the bottom of something and to truly understand what God's trying to say to us and, and where he's trying to move us. And that was Peter. So Peter was still thinking seriously about the vision and the spirit says to him, look, three men are looking for you. Get up, go down, accompany them without hesitation because I have sent them. Again, the spirit of God is working on both ends. He's working on Cornelius. He's also working on Peter. So Peter went down to the men and said, here I am. 
the person you're looking for, why have you come? Notice God didn't tell Peter why they were here. Step by step by step is how God works. They said Cornelius the centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear a message from you. So I love this. Verse 23, you see the hospitality of Peter. Again, how important that is, that, that grace of hospitality. That Peter wasn't just about, okay, let me give you the message. Notice Peter invited them in and entertained them as guests. God wants us always to be open to whatever resources, whatever he has blessed us with as we sang tonight about open hands, that, that we may use that that it's not just about necessarily just planting information into somebody's life. Sometimes it's just about entertaining them and showing them some love and being hospitable and inviting them into your life, into your home, and, and, and to, to sharing a meal with them. That's what Peter was doing here. And God can use those things to open up doors for his church, for his people. So on the next day, he got up and set out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And the following day, he entered Caesarea. Now, Cornelius was waiting anxiously for them. I can only imagine. I mean, here, God began to move, and God sent an angel, and he got this message, but he didn't know all that was going to happen and where this was going. It was just a matter of trusting God every step of the way, because God doesn't give us the whole understanding of something at the beginning. It's follow me to this next step. And then once we get there, I'll give you the next step. And then it's one step at a time. So he was wondering what's going to happen and who's this Peter and what's he going to share with us and all of that. But then I love this. I love this. It says Cornelius, while he was waiting anxiously, he also had called together his relatives and his close friends. That's what God wants us to do even as his people. He wants us to leverage the relationships in our life. And here's a man who understands that at least there's going to be a man sent from God who wants to give him a message. And it's like, well, I, I don't want to just hear it by myself. I want my family and I want my friends to hear this too. This is important. The power a personal invitation. I, I try to remind myself of that all the time. I, I don't care what we even do as a church as far as, you know, postcards and advertising and all these other ways that we can get the word out. The most effective way to reach into other people's lives is still the same way it was back in the book of Acts. It is you and I leveraging the relationships with people that we already have and giving them a personal invitation. That is still the most effective way. You talk to people and, and, and ask them, you know, how, how did you come to, to a church? Or how, how did you come to Christ? It's, well, someone invited me. Someone invited me. And that's what we see Cornelius. And he's not even a Christian yet. <laughs> but because he's moving towards God, you see in many respects... That, that in, in some ways he has more of a spiritual sensitivity and understanding the things than sometimes even Christians do because he's moving in the right direction, you see. And he wants to make sure that those that are 
dear to him, those that he loves are able to hear this message as well. So, when Peter came in, verse 25, Cornelius met him, fell at his feet, and worshiped him. Peter helped him up, saying, Stand up, I'm a mere mortal. Don't worship me. Peter continued talking with him as he went in, and he found many people gathered together. And he said to them, You know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. Now, again, not unlawful in God's eyes, but unlawful to these Jews at this point. And they needed to grow past that. God wanted his gospel to go to the world, to every nation, every people group. And the Jews that he started out with, they had to get over some prejudice. They had to have some barriers between them and some other people like we saw the Samaritans broken down by God. And Sometimes that's what God needs to do with us. In order for his church and his people to gain more territory, sometimes he's got to do a work in his own people before he can get to the work that he wants to do with other people. Because sometimes we're reluctant to go. Sometimes we're reluctant to get out of our comfort zone. And Peter had already been out of his comfort zone once at least in his life when he got out of the boat and started to walk on the water. But this may have even been more uncomfortable for him in some sense. Because for a Jew, to enter into a Gentile's house was just, ooh. It just stirred up all kinds of emotions and fear and anxiety and all this. I, I can imagine that maybe the sweat was just pouring off of Peter. This was an uncomfortable situation for Peter. And yet one that was very necessary if God was going to use Peter and going back to Sunday's messages, if Peter was going to become the person God created him to be, Peter needed to be willing to go through this uncomfortable situation and to enter into this Gentile's house and get out of his comfort zone as a Jew. So I would say to us, what is God leading us to do that may be drawing us out of our comfort zone a little bit. That God wants to use us in greater ways, but the only way he can do that is for us to shed ourselves of some of the things that are holding us back, whether it's, again, our own beliefs that don't line up with God or just our own self-doubt and inadequacy or whatever is going on inside of us. And God wants to move us into a, a greater you know, area here we're reluctant to go. I'll give Peter, you know, the kudos that he deserves. Even though this was hard for Peter, he obeyed. He did it. Because he, he knew that this was the clear leading of God in his life. And so as uncomfortable as it was, he did it. Hopefully we're like, like that. That once we know that this is God speaking to us and this is God leading us, we do it even if it makes us uncomfortable even if it takes us out of our comfort zone. Because there are times, even as Christians, where we know it's God and we still say no. I mean, think of a biblical example like Jonah. Jonah clearly knew God wanted him to go to Nineveh, and he said, no, I'm going the other way. I'm not going to Nineveh. Because I know if I go there and I share God's message with them that those people will come to know God, and I don't want them to know God. I have a problem with those people. 
See, over and over again throughout the Bible, you see Old Testament and New Testament. God has to work on his people because he can't get them to do what he wants them to do because of their, the barriers that we put up between us and other people. And even in the situations that God may want to use us in. And that's where Peter was here. And yet I love this. Even though he says that, notice these next five words, very important in verse 28. Yet God has shown me. Huge. What is God wanting to show us as a church? What does God want to show us so that we can be used by him in a greater way? What does God want to show you and I as individuals so that God can use us in a greater way? God had to still show Peter some things. Again, think about that. Peter, he walked with Jesus for three years. There was no one closer on earth to Jesus than Peter. And yet, Peter still needed to learn a lot. Peter still needed to grow a lot. Peter still needed to be teachable and have that teachable spirit. And that's something that God so adores in his people is when we never get to a place where we think we we can stop growing and stop learning and stop developing and all of those things that throughout our whole life we can grow and learn and develop as long as we just keep following God. Yet God has shown me. I love that. I should call no person defiled or ritually unclean. Here's what I used to believe But now God opened up my mind and showed me a different way, a different perspective. What is it that God right now is working on us, (laughs) wanting to show us a different way, give us a different outlook, a different mindset, a different perspective about something? Because he had to do this with Peter, and he has to do it with us, again, so that he can use us in greater and greater ways. Therefore, verse 29, when you sent for me, I came without any objection. Now may I ask you why you sent me? So Cornelius recites everything that happened to him. And then I love this. Look at what Cornelius says in verse 33. Therefore, I sent for you at once, and you were kind enough to come. Wow. See, Cornelius even recognized, here's a Jew who's willing to come into a Gentile. He, he understood what a big deal this was for Peter and to his house. And he says, Peter, you're kind to do this. And then I love this. Again, Cornelius, not yet a true child of God, still recognizes that the presence of God exists even in his house, a Gentile's house, when he says, we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to say to us. Wow. He says, I know that God's presence is here, even in my house, the house of a Gentile. And I don't even know him yet. And yet his presence is here. I can sense it. And we're just here to listen. I love that. That, Again, Peter needed to be teachable. Cornelius needed to be teachable. He said, we're here to learn. We're here to hear everything that you have to say. We are being attentive. You speak. So Peter started speaking and says, I now truly understand, again, showing his growth, personal growth, that God does not show favoritism in dealing with people. Wow, that's huge. There's no partiality with God, James says. God doesn't play favorites. God is fair, God is equitable, God is just. 
unlike anything on earth. But in every nation, the person who fears him and does what is right is welcomed before him. God opens up his arms to those who are moving in his direction, even before they actually get there. Because again, what you see in Cornelius' life is what we see in our lives before we became a Christian and what you'll see in every unbeliever's life before they become a Christian. And that is the pre-salvational work of God. God is at work on people even before they believe to bring them to that point, just as he did to Cornelius. And then Peter zeroes in on the most important thing. Again, good man, Cornelius, religious man, devout man, dedicated man, well-respected man, but he was missing the most important thing in his life, Jesus. So guess what Peter's going to do? He's going to drill down, and basically for the rest of his message, he's going to make it all about Jesus Christ. He's going to center everything that he says to the end of his message on the importance of Jesus Christ and who Jesus really is. Notice the words of Peter. You know, verse 36, the message he sent to the people of Israel, proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. And that's the only way true peace can come, is through Jesus. He, Jesus, is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John announced with respect to Jesus from Nazareth. Here it is. God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. God was with him. We are witnesses of all the things he did, both in Judea and Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him up on the third day and caused him to be seen, not by all the people, but by us, the witnesses God had already chosen. I'll come back to that to end in just a moment. Who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to warn them that he, Jesus, is the one appointed by God as the judge of the living and the dead. Every human being's destiny is wrapped up in what they think about Jesus Christ. Even Jesus says, the Father will judge no one. He has appointed all judgment to the Son, John chapter 5. Jesus is either going to be every human being's judge or our Savior, one of the two. About him, verse 43, all the prophets testify that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name, and it's only through his name that one can receive forgiveness. As Peter stated earlier in the book of Acts, neither is there salvation in any other because there's no other name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved, Acts 4.12. Jesus, Jesus. That's what Cornelius needed, Jesus. And we know that Cornelius and many in his household that day accepted Jesus because the very following verse in verse 44 says, the Holy Spirit fell on those who believe and heard the message. The Holy Spirit was given and poured out upon the Gentiles. They were baptized. They were added to the church. And Peter was even getting confirmation from God that this was the real deal and that God was involved in the salvation of the Gentiles. And the Bible says Peter was amazed and astonished at what was happening. How could the Gentiles be on equal footing with the Jews? But that was what the church is all about, that there is no, you know, hierarchy in the church. The Jew and Gentile are on the same level playing field in the church so that there can be one body, not two. Now, in ending tonight, I want to go back to what Peter said in verse 41 because it goes into this whole idea of the vision that God has for his people, the church. Notice what Peter says, very importantly. 
that Jesus Christ appeared not to all people, but by us, the witnesses God had already chosen. Here's something for all of us to think about. God invites us to experience him, to experience something about him, not so that it could be an end in itself, but so then that we could be greater and more effective witnesses for him. That's what God's always doing with his church, with his people. He's always inviting us to experience something with him because he's already chosen ahead of time, I want you to be a part of this, Jeff, so that you can experience this with me so that then you can take that experience and what you learn from that experience and what you experienced from that experience with me and then you can share it and help and strengthen and support and encourage others by that. That's why God is always hoping that his people will be obedient and, and be willing to make themselves available that when God leads us to experience something with him, like Peter, like Cornelius, we're on board and we say, okay, God, I, you know, I don't know where this is going. I don't know how you're going to work all this out, but I'm just going to follow you every step of the way. And we can see that because Cornelius was obedient to, to the voice of God and to the leading of the Spirit, and because Peter was, look at what amazing things happened right there that day in the house of Cornelius. And I truly believe that God can do the same thing today, even with just two people taking one here and one there and bring them together and working on them. And if, if, if just two people are willing to make themselves available and enter into the experience that God wants us to enter into, that we can be greater and greater witnesses because God chooses his witnesses even ahead of time. So a question I want to leave with you and then we'll close tonight is this. Very practical. What is it right now in your life that God is leading you to experience or to be a part of? Not as an end in itself, but just like with Peter and the apostles, so they could experience and, and see firsthand not only the life of Jesus, but the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus so that they could be greater witnesses down the road. See, what is it that God wants me to experience now that maybe a month from now, a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, will come back into play to where God can use that experience for me in somebody else's life. That's why every day is such a great adventure with God because no day is wasted because whatever God may want me to experience now is something that maybe I can use for God's glory later on down the road. That's God's vision for his people. Let's pray. God, we thank you that here in this chapter we have the point of no return with the church. That the Jews were now going to take the gospel to Gentiles and that the church would never be the same after this chapter. And God, I thank you for reminding us, Lord, just how you work. That many times, Lord, you work in large groups. But Lord, sometimes you work just one heart at a time one reaching one and just having both parties just open to your leadership to your guidance to your direction and god right now i just pray for us as a church that we would be willing to experience with you what you want us as a church to experience so god we can be even greater witnesses for you down the road 
And, and God, I pray that each of us as individual followers of yours would start thinking and asking ourselves, what is it that God wants me to experience with him now that will enable me to be a greater witness for him in the future? God, thank you for these wonderful chapters and this wonderful story of the unfolding of, of redemption and the unfolding of, of your kingdom growing and you building your church in Acts. And I pray that, God, as we move through this, this great book, that it will be an encouragement to each of us. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, thanks for being here. We'll see you next week.